This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by CarePlus Franchising, a market leader in healthcare and home care staffing solutions across the UK, Europe and Middle East. With master franchisor and multi-unit territory opportunities available, CarePlus has been built to be sustainable, adaptable, durable and profitable within an ever-evolving industry. For more information, visit careplus.com. Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, bringing you exclusive interviews with the franchise industry's biggest names. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. What we realized for me as I was imagining that a thou- at a thousand stores in India, in the country, do I want to have be running an enterprise with almost six to seven thousand people on my roads if we were doing company-owned stores? Or I could choose a franchising business model and have 50 top professionals handling the six core functions that we have in our business and adding tremendous value to our franchises. The Indian franchising scene is one of the most fervent in the world, but it's sometimes overlooked by Western entrepreneurs in favor of markets a little closer to home. That would be a mistake, however, as you'd miss out on the opportunity presented by brands like Jumbo King, one of India's largest homegrown brands providing vegetarian burgers. Jumbo King's founder, Diraj Gupta, has been a strong proponent of the franchising model since he fully embraced it back in 2011. The Jumbo King story goes back further than then, however, with the first unit opening at a Mumbai train station over 20 years ago. Gupta's admiration for the franchising model could be traced even further back to when he stayed with a Burger King franchisee on a trip to London. To find out more about the Jumbo King story and to learn about the intricacies of growing a brand in India, make sure to stick around for this exclusive conversation with one of India's most prominent franchising figures. It's like 20 years. I think I would put it into two 10-year journeys and uh, the, the, the next decade that we're looking at. So I think the first 10 years was largely experimental, you know, where in, in India, so uh, not too many brands had got created around franchising. And what we were seeing is a lot of the brands from the U.S. come in, like McDonald's came, Burger King, Domino's, uh, Subway's. So India has a very, very rich cuisine, a very rich culture mm. of food. And we you know, trying to figure out was how do we make, how do we organize this and how do we take it out? I learned. I have learned a lot from reading autobiographies of a lot of the entrepreneurs, like Ray Kroc, who built McDonald's, or Howard Schultz, who built Starbucks. The thought was to understand how does one get from store number one to store number ten. It's 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 a different journey, and then from store number ten to a hundred is a completely different journey. And uh, I think now that we have crossed a hundred stores and we are looking at getting to a thousand locations over the next five years, it's going to be a completely different uh, way forward. So the first 10 years was largely about using the entrepreneurial energy and a lot of bull force, you know, to get things done, to figure out uh, what what is working, what is not working. Uh, the second part of moving, and you know, we started franchising early. Uh, and a lot of it was, uh, you know, learning from the Western business models that Subway is all franchise stores, McDonald's is 80% franchise stores. 
So, of course, there are challenges that franchising has, but we said, you know, let us follow the model being used by the largest QSR chains in the world. I'm sure that they do it because it must be the, you know, sensible way to grow. And we will figure out along the way, you know, of why, which one is better. Sure. I think for about three years from 2009 to 2011, I kind of gave up on franchising <laughs> okay. because uh, we, uh, so we had gotten we had hired in a CEO at that time who was from a non-franchise background, and uh, I was younger, much younger, and I got convinced that we should put our company on stores. So I have seen both sides of the coin: uh, 100% franchise business. We then moved to company-owned, and then moved back to franchising. And now, if, now I tell people that, you know, if even if someone were to give me $100 million, I will not quit franchising. But this is just the more sensible way to grow the business. Um, and why is that? Why do you think that franchising is the preferential way to go when you're growing uh, Jumbo King? I think it is just a, a much better return on time invested. Okay. Of course, the return on capital employed, etc. All the financial numbers are very, very favorable for franchising. But if your product is standardized if your business model is such that it is not too high on the service elements if you have these two things in place then franchising becomes way more effective so in 2008 and 2011 when we were buying back our franchises and running company owned stores our stores were not giving us a a 10 percent profit post taxes right and I was like, was, why the hell are we, uh, you know, then investing so much money and getting so many people on our roles and trying to run the ship? While my franchisees, they always used to give me a 10% of their sales and they also used to make money for themselves. Hmm. So I think we, we lived through that entire period where we did all our financial uh, analysis and said it's just way, way better to have a 5% profit after taxes than a franchising business model than try to go for a company where you know at best you will make a 10 percent uh, profit taxes it just uh, it did not make financial sense for us to or, or it made financial sense for us to work with with franchises yeah and um and while franchising in india is you know it is a a well-known business model meant the overwhelming majority of businesses it seems particularly in the qsr segment or food and beverage in general um, remain locally owned and operated there's a lot of street food vendors and all those kinds of businesses that aren't part of this network um what would you say to entrepreneurs who maybe are considering going down that route as to why franchising in general as a business model is um is a much more beneficial rewarding way of owning a business so see if you look at what is happening world over right subway seventy eight thousand stores worldwide all franchised uh starbucks i think they're close to 28,000 or thirty two thousand stores worldwide all company you have mcdonald's which is a hybrid model you know they're 20 percent company owned 80 percent franchise mm. so all the three models clearly work right it is not that one is significantly superior than the other what we realize is for me as I was imagining that at a thousand stores in India, in the country, do I want to have be running an enterprise with almost six to seven thousand people on my roles if we were doing company owned stores? Or I could choose a franchising business model and have 50 top professionals handling the six core functions that we have in our business and adding tremendous value to our franchises. 
you know, it's like going to be a three-legged stool where there are the franchisees, where there are suppliers and the Jumbo King head office. And each is a domain expert. They're really good at what they do. Mm. And they feed off each other and make each other stronger. So I think uh, in India, the franchising ecosystem is yet to develop. What we are seeing is a lot of the international brands give out their franchisees to large investors in the country. They themselves are not really franchising. Right. Uh, I'm, actually, this question is asked to me a lot, Kiran, and I, I tell people that franchising is a mindset. It's like operating in a democracy where you will be criticized, even if you're the president of the country, for taking wrong decisions, and you have to learn to take that criticism, right? Versus running where you know you have got one person who is the all-powerful, no one questions him, and uh, you know whatever he says is is God's word and word, and everybody has to follow it. So that is where the company-owned stores kind of uh, things work better. So it's you as an individual. How are you uh, made up? That is what is important for the for the person who's starting the company. And I think uh, so. This this is a very key thing that you need to understand, analyze yourself, and understand what kind of a person you are. One mistake that entrepreneurs sometimes make is they feel franchising is easier because you don't have to put your own capital. Right, and you're growing a business using someone else's money, and I say that please don't get into franchising if this is what you think, because you'll find it really, really difficult. Yeah, each franchisee is going to be like the owner of the business. He's going to be like the CEO. Uh, he's going to be like a you know literally like a shareholder almost. Who's going to be asking you questions? Sure. So you have to keep the franchisee's profit first, and then it's it's a very it's a it's a very joyous ride. And am I right in thinking, Diraj, that um, Jumbo King is now back to 100% franchised or do you have kind of a slight hybrid model going? No, so we moved to 100% franchising back in 2011. Okay. So it was like, uh, you know, when we would get some great locations open up in Mumbai City and the decision always was, should we put up this, put this up as a company-owned store or give it out to a franchisee? And my answer always was, was reward the best, the hardest working the smartest franchisee that we have with a great location because that is how the he will make a lot of money and the word will spread and more and more people will come to buy a jamboking franchise so you know another very key insight was in our team when we were running the franchise or when we are running the franchise stores even the each department head has to have a very different mindset while when you are running company or stores people were you know very authoritative with their because no one was there to question them and uh, so and i found that uh, when you're running a hybrid model the professional is not able to deal with both the sides where a franchisee is asking you questions and you have to answer them but a, a store manager at your own store is uh, you know asking the same question and you say that no no it's okay just go ahead and do it don't ask me why you're here. yeah so you know toggling between the two mindsets becomes very very difficult for so we said, let us be 100% franchise. And I think our role model is pretty much Subway, which is at 78,000 stores worldwide and all franchise stores. So we believe a lot in uh, mentorship. <laughs> right. So hopefully we'll see Jumbo King in those 78,000 stores very soon then. So uh, I saw as well on the Jumbo King site, um, when you're sort of marketing to franchisees, it seems that um, they're very much expected to work in their location, kind of have the real owner-operator mentality. And also that um, with regards to multi-unit development, um, 
they can open a second site, but that's often based off the success of their initial location. Is that correct? Or do you sometimes look for multi-unit operators off the bat? Yeah, so uh, see, we were analyzing, because we have been in business for 20 years, we have had our fair share of failures, which is stores which shut down. Mm. And every time I would sit with my core team and we'd say that, you know, because our failures teach us a lot, that, you know, why did a particular store shut down? Because the other stores are doing well, why should this one have shut down? And we could come up only with two really strong reasons. One was that we selected a location which was not great. Second is we selected a franchisee who was not committed to the business. So uh, we said that, you know, let us get these two parts of the equation right always. And the answer is going to be success. So we, we actually screen our franchisees a lot. And we it's, it's there on our website that you have to be willing to give it your own time. So what we feel is franchising is not like, it's not a slot machine where you, 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 know, you kind of, once you, you're just going to go put in some money and it's going to start throwing up cash. It's not going to be that. It's your business. You have to work very hard at it. What the franchisor does is he creates a lot of the systems, a lot of the processes. He creates the entire backend infrastructure. And you as an entrepreneur can ride what has got created and make your, for the franchisee, this is make, he can make his life very, very easy. Otherwise, he would have to do the entire nine yards, which would be very difficult. Mm. And with labor costs going up, franchise uh, if franchising done properly which is you get full-time entrepreneurs into the business uh, it becomes a very very powerful combination uh, in the marketplace and yes and and i think in the first uh, you know your, your question about the guy who puts up the second store i think the first store is like an asset test uh, litmus test for both the franchisee gets to see what the company is doing because of course we make a lot of promises when we start off he gets to understand whether we delivered on them. At the same time, the franchisee makes a lot of promises that I will spend time, I will be committed, I'll be dedicated. And he may end up not doing it uh, after uh, in the first three to six months. So we don't give him a second store. Mm. We say, well, no, you are not in the business. You are not getting a second store. And of course, at the end of the day, if your franchise is making money, then he listens to you. If he's not making money, he'll say to hell with you and you'll just move on to something. Make sure to enter the Global Franchise Awards for your chance to be crowned as your region's franchising champion. This year's instalment has been refreshed with a new judging panel and many new categories to suit your brand. But don't delay, entries close on the 20th of January 2022. For more information and to enter today, head over to globalfranchisemagazine.com forward slash awards. Adam, have you had the example or do you think you would consider the example where an operator comes to you who maybe has um, a lot of experience in franchising within the QSR industry and they say they want to develop 10, 20 units in a certain region, either either within India or internationally perhaps. Um, is that something you would consider or do you think that that's almost too risky to you know give that many locations to someone who hasn't necessarily proven themselves to you directly? We like to learn from our mistakes. So we had in Bangalore City, we, we gave out the uh, a master franchise where, you know, he put up his first six, seven stores. Very good guy uh, and, uh, you know, put up uh, very nice looking stores. But one day he just lost interest in the business. And he said, I'm shutting down. And we were like, whoosh, gone. We are not, not in the market at all. Mm. And I was like, well, this is a problem. He has a lot of money. He does not actually really care whether this business does well or not. Right? Because he is looking at a 20, 25, 30% ROI 
return on his investment. 15% does not excite him. And nor does he have the patience to let the business build over, you know, for two, three years for it to get to those kind of uh, uh, returns. And for him, it's like for, for a person who is making, say if a person is making a hundred bucks, if your franchise, if your franchise for him is going to make only 10% of that, he can, you know, easily shut it down and get out, uh, you know, get on with something else. This, that is not his priority. So that is the day we decided that we are going to work with people for whom Jumbo King is their priority. Our business is how they yeah. get their first uh, million in income, and and you know, kind of, and that is how they uh, want to keep growing. I'd much rather have a person start with one store and scale it up to ten stores, and really value what Jumbo King gave. Yeah, that's that's something we've spoken with a lot of um, experts like yourself about recently. Is that passion is you know can't be undervalued as a real driver when you're kind of recruiting franchisees because as you say, if someone turns around and says, "Well, I'm not interested in this anymore," you've potentially lost an entire region of the country, which isn't good for anybody. What about though when you're perhaps down the line as you develop the brand further, looking to um, expand beyond India into other countries? Do you think that you would still opt for a direct franchising model in which you have direct control over the kind of partners that um, join Jumbo King or would you be open to finding a master development or a developer rather or a an organization that is able to then take the brand into another country? Yeah so what I have not mentioned is uh, we are using uh, or we have learned from the subway business model of franchising where yeah. each city in the country we appoint a we call them the city master franchisees. What it basically means is he puts up the first store in his city, establishes the proof of concept that it is working over there. And then anybody wanting to take a Jamboking franchise in that city is appointed by that, the master franchisee. So it, this has two advantages. One is when a person who has invested his own money and is running a store, when he tells another incoming franchisee that, was, uh, uh, that I'm getting good results and I think you should invest in this business too. That's a kind of an endorsement for us. And I think secondly, the decision making at the local level becomes much faster. The franchisee, he, he's running his own stores. He's able to take all marketing calls uh, much, much faster. And he becomes a huge asset to the inputs that we get from the regional markets into the, the, the Jumbo King head office. So we are pretty much going to use this model as we go expand outside. It's like, you know, we are speaking with someone in Dubai. And it's on similar terms that he puts up his first store and then all the additional stores he is allowed to sub-franchise. Right, okay. And um, if we look at Jumbo King, sort of operationally, your process is a little more. I know that initially uh, with that Mallard location that we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, that your kind of main differentiators at the time were that your burgers, the products you sold, were 20% larger than your competition, but also notably that you focused on cleanliness and hygiene, which some of your competitors at the time weren't really um, putting to the forefront. Um, as well as these, what other things do you think uh, make a brand kind of stand out within the Indian QSI? our industry what do brands need to do to you know attract that level of investment so you must read up this book it's called focus it's by these authors Alvarez and jack trout i don't know if you've heard of them where they talk about how brands get created and having a super focus on one particular consumer need that you're satisfying that is really what creates brands and when you do it over a long period of time that is how legacy brands get created Right. So, you know, we often look at how a Starbucks, a Subway, 
McDonald's, Domino's, how all of these or uh, you know companies get created. They are all focusing on different parts of the business of of the consumer need. It's like within Pizza as a category, Pizza Hut does more of the dining experience, while Domino's does the takeaway part of the business. Both are selling pizzas, equally expensive. However, a consumer very distinctly chooses when he wants to visit a you know a Pizza Hut store to have a pizza, and when he wants to call for a pizza at home. So I think customers are extremely well informed. They they understand what brands stand for, and the brands. In fact, the uh, Alraj talks about the the twenty two immutable laws of marketing, of how categories get created and then how subcategories get. And we in Jumbo King, we we are saying that there is a McDonald's and a Burger King which is selling burgers out from a two thousand square feet store. It's a sit down experience. We are very clearly focused on selling burgers, but we are the on the go experience. So we put up a lot of two hundred to three hundred square feet stores at all transit locations in the country. And India is a very, very large country. We have got a huge population and lots of people transiting, becoming wealthy at a very, very fast clip as in year on year, the kind of wealth creation which is happening in this country. So we see that there's going to be a lot of potential for people who are looking for a quick snack while they are you know, moving between appointments or going to college, traveling from one city to another. And they're looking for a quick snack when they're on the go. So the burger, the product is the same. However, that customer does not have the time to sit down. And so he's looking for something which he can grab and go. And that is what we are doing. So it's it's a beautiful, uh, as in uh, this subject, we can speak about it for hours on how brand, brands should get created and how they should differentiate. However, uh, so that's how that's how we look at ourselves within the burger market. We are going to become the specialists in the on-the-go burgers. Right, and my my last question for you, Diraj, uh, and I imagine you would equally have plenty to talk about this based on the roller coaster journey that you've been on with Jumbo King. Um, but what advice would you give to yourself uh, if you could go back now upon opening that initial site in two thousand and one? What would you want to, you know, uh, change the business perhaps, or put it down a different path? Or would you say that you know all of the learnings and experience since that time have really built the business to be what it is today? Totally, uh, and I think. Uh... The markets have matured and what we are able to do today, we would not have been able to do 10 years ago. Right. So the only thing I would go and tell my 27-year-old is that, boss, you need to be patient. It's going to take a lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, it it is going to take time and a lot of patience. I I don't think that... So because we learn from everything, it's like when we move from franchising to company-owned stores and then company stores back to franchising i think no amount of money spent on any management consulting firm you know to come and tell me whether to franchise or not to franchise would have convinced me Mm. Uh, you know compared to the experience that i had by doing it myself yeah so i think uh, it's a journey and we we keep learning and uh, we have to enjoy it yeah, I think that's very valuable to note for franchisors um, in itself is, as you say, patience is and patience and not just patience, but learning yourself can be the most valuable thing. Because as you say, someone could tell you, well, this is how things should be. But until you kind of live through that experience, it's hard to um, to really actualize, you know, how things are actually going to turn out for the brand. Absolutely. It's it's difficult because uh, I was completely confused. There was there were so many examples of companies franchising successful company-owned stores successful 
I talk to investors, they are saying that no, no, don't franchise because then you'll lose control. You will lose control over the quality. You'll lose control over the services. And I said, and so, but today, uh, I'm like, no, we control our franchisees extremely well because if the that particular store is not compliant, I can, at the, using technology at the, you just flick one switch and the guy is not able to order his material for the next day. He cannot operate. When we were running company-owned stores, I had no option but to keep on uh, operating the store and find a better store manager because we were paying the rent, we were paying the salaries. In the franchise business, the franchisee has his capital at stake. So you know, I think they they do toe the line, of course, but it has to be fair. The, the equation has to be fair. Yeah, I think that's a very a very good note to end on. So thank you very much for joining us today, Diraj. It's been great hearing more about Jumbo King and uh, very excited to see what's next from you guys in the coming years. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. We haven't had many guests on the podcast that have had quite the roller coaster journey through franchising that Diraj has had with Jumbo King. His shift from franchise-only to corporate-owned and then back to a franchise-only model allowed him to understand the true benefits of the business model and have put Jumbo King on the path it is today with goals of reaching a thousand locations within five years. I especially liked D. Raj's advice, or lack thereof, that he would give to his former self. Sometimes we need the experience and failures of our professional careers to put us on the right path. And, as he mentioned, the world may not have been in a position to facilitate the kind of growth that it has today. It's all about being in the right place at the right time, while preparing for that moment as much as possible. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? Or do you think that the School of Hard Knocks is a much more valuable asset than being overly prepared? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.